Sometimes we're called to, to go, um, and sometimes we're called to give. I appreciate Shelby sharing that prayer request this morning or that, that announcement about the, the work in India. And in a real sense, it, when this church gives to a group like that, an organization like that, a ministry like that, uh, it's, it's like you're there. I mean, you're providing that, uh, that resource. Uh, maybe you're not the one physically going this time, uh, but when you give, it allows others to go and make something happen. So uh, we were in Mexico last week. I think Pick uh, did his magic or someone did back there and we got a couple uh, pictures from our trip up there. So I'll just let him kind of throw them up and I'll see what's there. Um, actually, this is three of the, mission, the, the pastor, Hector, the, the, the pastor of the church that we were building the, the uh, house for the family where we stayed. That's actually three of his kids um, uh, helping work, put the forms together. Um, and there's Rita. She did work on the trip. So uh, she cut or she measured all the boards. Someone else cut them. So uh, the house went up fairly square. So apparently she measured quite, uh, correctly. Um, this is kind of looking out just over the, the site. We've got the form set ready to pour concrete. So when we walk up, it's just a flat piece of ground, nothing there but sand uh, and in the end, you'll see, uh, uh, and see, I work too, so, uh, and then you'll see the final uh, final production. So, luckily, Costas went a few years ago to a, uh, a cement truck that you don't have to mix it by hand, makes it go uh, a lot easier. Uh, after three days of work, actually a little, just a little over two and a half days of work, this is our finished project, uh, a house that, uh, this house went to a young lady named Patricia uh, with, uh, I think, three kids, or, well, five five kids and and a daughter that had a couple kids, so seven that were going to be living uh, in, in that house. So uh, that's kind of the work that we did while, while we were there. We appreciate the prayers uh, on our behalf while we were there. It, th- this was one of the more interesting trips that we've had in, in all the times I've gone. It was the hottest. Uh, I think the low was 104. Uh, the last day it got up to 108. Uh, now, that humidity is nothing like it is around here, but they actually did have a little humidity, which made it a little more unbearable. Uh, we didn't have running water most of the week. Um, we took showers out of a, they had a horse trough that they were able to fill up during the day, and you got a bucket of water, took it to the shower, and dumped it over your head. Um, and same thing, we went and got water for the kitchen to do stuff there. So, so we, there were some, some real challenges this week, but it's just amazing how God works. Uh, we, we were able to just get up earlier and work earlier in the day and try to beat some of the heat. Uh, and in the end, two houses were built, two families were blessed, and, uh, and God's name was glorified. So thank you, uh, thank you for your prayers uh, on, on our behalf. I wonder, I wonder if they felt guilty. When they heard the news, when, when the report got back to them, and it would have taken quite some time for that to happen, but, I, but, but when the report came, I, I wonder if they if they didn't feel a sense of responsibility. When they heard that Paul had gone to Jerusalem, which they knew that's where he was headed, he had told them, when Paul went to Jerusalem and they, the news came back that yes, indeed, he had been arrested uh, and then transferred to Rome, his, his future uncertain, a good, good possibility that his life would be taken, that he would be martyred, I, I wonder if they didn't feel some sense of responsibility. And then when Paul sent a letter to them from prison, uh, and they opened the letter with joy and excitement, and they read not once, but two different times when Paul said uh, that he was a prisoner for the Lord, I wonder, 
I wonder if they didn't feel just a little sense of, of responsibility. In fact, in Acts chapter 21, it tells the story of Paul's arrest. He was, he was arrested for a number of reasons. Number one, obviously because he was preaching Christ. They didn't, the Jews there were certainly offended by that. But not just that, he really was arrested. He was targeted because he preached to the Gentiles. He preached to, to churches like the church at Ephesus. And, and more importantly, if, if they, they found out about this detail, which I assume they did, Acts 21 tells us that specifically the charge they brought against him was that they said that he had taken Trophimus, who was from Ephesus, who was from the church in Ephesians, I, I, had taken him into the temple. Now he hadn't, but that was the charge. So I wonder if, I wonder if when they opened this letter, they were already feeling maybe some sense of responsibility. And Paul says two different times that he was a prisoner. I, I wonder if they, they became concerned. I, I, I wonder if they thought to themselves, well, if he hadn't come here, he wouldn't have been arrested. They at least might have thought had he, had we stopped him, had we said, Paul, don't go to Jerusalem, over in the book of Acts chapter 20, this is right before he goes to, uh, uh, back to Jerusalem, he, he had met with the elders at the church of Ephesus, and in verse 22 he says this, And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to, to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, although he did really know what would happen. And, and I, know, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the, the gospel of God's grace. So I wonder if, if they might have thought to themselves, man, if we had only stopped him, if we had only said, Paul, don't go, just stay here in Ephesus. Man, just stay here and go on other journeys, but we will send you out. I wonder if they felt, I wonder if they felt a little guilty. If they had, it would have been short-lived. Because I think they would have, re- they would have realized after rereading the letter, after remembering what Paul had told them before he left to Jerusalem, I think they would have understood that Paul had a calling. Uh, specifically, this time, he was called to go to Jerusalem. That's where God wanted him to be. It wasn't his choice, but God had wanted him there for a, a, a purpose. And... And then they realized what their calling was because Paul pointed it out. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, uh, actually for the next two weeks we're going to look at this, this text uh, and, and, and a little past it. But, but Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to look at the first seven verses uh, and kind of just really key on, uh, on the first verse here this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, starting with verse, uh, verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. How do, we, how do we live a worthy life? How do we walk worthily in, in the eyes of the Lord? Verse 1 
we're called by Paul to, to, to live a life worthy of the calling. Uh, it, it stands out when you, when you make this transition into chapter 4. It stands out that Paul's making a change here. The first three chapters, the first three chapters of Ephesians had been talking about what, what God had done for us and what God had done uh, to us through the grace that He had given us. And now we're looking, about, uh, looking at what our responsibility is. Kyle Snodgrass says this, the first three chapters are a prayerful description of God's grace and salvation. The next three are an explanation of the consequences of grace. He goes on to say this, Obey, obedience is the response to grace. God acts first, and we respond. When, when we see this transition in chapter 4 where Paul urges us to live a life worthy of the calling, when I read that, two questions come to mind. We'll look at one of those questions this morning, the second one next week. The first question that comes up in my mind is this. Can I? Paul says, live a life worthy of your calling, and I can't help but ask the question, can I? I don't know if any of the rest of you are, are, are similar to me, but when you, when you look at that, and maybe this week as you read through that and think about that a little bit more, Paul says, live worthy. Does the question, can I? Can I really live worthy of, of, of the calling that God has called me to? Here's the problem. I, I know me. I, I know my failures. I know my doubts. I know my sin. I know my fears. I know my selfishness. I know my pride. Can I really live a life worthy of the calling? Paul thinks so. Paul, when he wrote this, urging them to live that way, in essence was saying to them, you know guys, I think you can do it. Uh, when my oldest boy, Brian, was just old enough to start helping me mow the yard, the first thing he did was, was, was uh, ride the riding lawnmower. I don't think mom was real thrilled about that, but, but I put him up on the riding lawnmower. So while he, he mowed, I weed-eated. And, and there came a time when I taught him how to weed-eat. Now, now, he wasn't a very good weed-eater. Uh, in fact, when he took the weeder, dads, you probably know this when you taught your kids, when he took the weed eater, he, he would either just barely clip the top of the grass off or he would scald the ground. I mean, just take everything out down to bare dirt. And, and, and so I just would have him weed eat little bitty stretches for a while. But I remember a time when I told him, Brian, I want you to go the whole yard. I want you to weed eat the whole yard. And I remember what his response was. Now, the mowing part was no problem. He loved that part. But the weed eating, he said, Dad, I can't do it. And I said, yes, you can. He said, Dad, I can't do it. The weed eater's too heavy. I said, yes, you can do it. He said, Dad, I can't do it. I, I'm not very good at it. And I said, yes, you can. Now, now did he do a very good job? <laughs> no. I mean, he, there were spots that didn't look like he had touched it. There were other spots that we didn't have to weed eat in the rest of the summer. He didn't do such a good job, but, but he could do it. Uh, what Paul calls us to do is to live a life worthy of the call of our calling, and and, and by the the very essence of asking us and urging us and responding to us to do that, he he's saying to us, "You can do it. You can do it." Are, are we going to be perfect? No. Uh, are, are we going to nail it? No. 
Uh, are we going to make mistakes along the way? Well, you bet. Are, are we going to fail sometimes? Yeah, I guarantee it. But we're called to this life that is worthy of the gospel and worthy of our calling. Let me, let me point out four distinctions that, that came here from Paul that, that I think would help them understand that, hey, yes, I can, and then maybe help us understand it as well. Here's the first distinction, distinction and, and I think this might actually, might actually be one that, that, that really is, is for just the church at Ephesus, but I, I think we can learn something from it as well. Here's the first distinction, is that he was a prisoner. That's how he starts out. Uh, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to live that life that's worthy. What did he mean by that? Why did he mention that? Was he trying to make them feel guilty? Was he saying, hey, it's your responsibility, it's your fault? Not, not at all. That's not at all what he was, was, was wanting from that. Instead, what he was calling them to understand was, if I can do it, if God's calling on my life was to ultimately end up in prison for the sake of Christ, if, if God called me, even though I don't understand why, even though it doesn't make sense, even though I'm not sure what God's plan is, if God's calling for my life was to end up here and I'm doing it, why can't you? Why can't you live to the calling that God has called you? Well, we'll look more next week about what that looks like and what what that really is, but but if I fulfill my calling, Paul was saying, so can you. And here's the second thing uh, I think we get from uh, from him saying I was a prisoner, is that he spoke with authority. If I'm doing what God has called me to, and I understand it's his calling on my life, then I have the right, I have the authority to speak truth into your life. Church, God is, God is calling us through Jesus to live a life worthy of the calling, to, to live worthily of what God has called us to be. And, and what he's saying there, what he wants us to take, is you can do it. You can do it. When our, uh, when our kids were younger, well, I say younger, up until the time they were married, probably we did this, but whenever our kids would go somewhere, let's say they uh, go to a, a camp, they'd go away to visit someone, maybe spend the night with a friend or, or something like that. Just about every time as they, they walked out the house, one of us would say to them something similar to this, be good. Now, now we didn't go into a lot of detail what, what we meant by that. We didn't tell them, now don't do this, 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 and this, or, or do this, this. But, but they understood what that meant. They understood our expectation. They understood that there were certain things we wanted them to do, certain things that we didn't want, didn't want them to do, and that they were representing us. Be good was simply, hey, you know what you need to be doing, now, now do it. And in, in essence, what we also were, was saying was, hey, I know you can. I, I know you can live up to what our expectations are. I know you can say no to bad decisions and yes to good ones. Be, be good. Paul here is saying to us, when he urges us to live a life worthy, uh, he's saying, hey, you can do it. Here's a second uh, d- distinction that we catch from this passage. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you. I urge you. The, the word that Paul uses there is a strong word. What it literally means is to call 
to one side or to come to the aid of. That's kind of the, the idea there. Rita and I have been married for 37 years. Um, she's about got me trained, okay? There, there's a lot of things that she's trained me on, but there's some that she's still working hard at, and, and I really I just wish she'd give up because I don't think she's ever going to get there, but, but she's trying. So, uh, but, but she tries to get me there. Every once in a while, I'll be, let's say I'm in the living room, Rita's in the kitchen, and I will hear her say this, Tim, come here. Say so kind of with that tone, with that, that sense of urgency, not, not much urgency there. I'm watching a ball game, I'm watching a, I'm like a kid, maybe a commercial came on, I mean, I, and commercials come on and I watch commercials, I don't know, uh, but I'm watching TV and she says, Tim, come here, and, and this is what I do, anyone else do this, this is what I do. <laughs> well, we all have bad hearing, right? You know, I, maybe I didn't hear. And, you know, she'll, she'll repeat it, Tim, come here. And then I'll, then, then I'll say, once I have to acknowledge that I've heard her, I'll say, what do you want? And hear me out, guys. Sometimes it is something that she could have yelled from the kitchen and told me, and I could have stayed where I was. But that's, she wants me there. Uh, so, now, I know, ladies, ladies, I know that once she gets me trained, as soon as she says, Tim, come here, I'll jump up and go every time. I'm not there yet. But here's the difference. Now, usually, even in this scenario, about the third or fourth time, the urgency, level of urgency changes, the, the tone changes, the pitch changes, and I begrudgingly go in, and what do you want? But there's also times when, when she yells with a whole different sense of urgency, a whole different sense of uh, of, of I need you. Tim, come here. And when I understand that, that I don't hesitate. I don't finish watching, you know, Hosmer at bat. I, I don't finish the commercial. I jump up and go because I know she needs me. That's what Paul, when Paul says, I urge you, it's that sense of urgency. It's that sense of, I need you here now. It's that sense of, come to my side. It's that sense of, come to my aid that, that he's using there. So, so he's encouraged them as, as forcefully as he can, uh, to, to say, walk in this manner. Here's a third, uh, uh, a third distinction that we see. And this may be subtle, but, but it's one for me that when I read this, it's like, that makes more sense to me. In the NIV, and you may have other verses, in the NIV it says, live a life worthy of the calling. But what that word really means, or a better way to translate it, is to walk. Walk worthy. And to me, that, that, that's just a subtle thing to me, but it's that idea of day to day. It's that idea of consistency. It's that idea of we're going to get there, but it's going to be a one step at a time. Paul is calling us. See, see, sometimes when we read that verse, or, or at least for me, when I read that verse, live a life worthy of, of your calling, that just seems like a, like a mountain that I'm trying to get up. Live worthy. There's no way I can be worthy. Man, I know, I know from the sacrifice that Jesus gave that, that I'm a sinner and, and He was perfect. How can I ever live? We're, we're intimidated by that. But we're called to walk worthy. I remember going to Colorado the first time and we were outside Colorado Springs um, driving and we looked over. I don't even know what mountain it would have been, but we looked over in a mountain and you could, you could see the, the road that went up to the mountain and, and, and it didn't go straight up the side of the hill. It went this way, and then back this way. And it was just far enough you could barely make it out, and you'd catch a glint of a windshield off a car. But 
but it just slowly went up the side of the mountain. No way you're going to drive straight up the side. It's just slow. It takes you there. It gets you there. It's kind of what he's talking about. Walk uh, worthy. And, and then here's the, here's the last distinction that, that I want to see there. The actual word worthy. See, I think we get, we get hung up on that. Uh, the, the actual word worthy means this. It means the same weight or like, like value. So when you live worthy, what you're doing is living in such a way that you look like. It's the same as. You're living like Jesus. When, uh, last week when we were in Mexico, every, every day, usually twice a day, sometimes three, days, three times a day, uh, I would go to uh, Del Rio. It's a little convenience store or to the S-Mart, a grocery store to buy ice. Uh, ice was our lifeline uh, while we were there. Uh, and I'd go to buy the ice and I would, I, I would usually send a couple guys to the cooler to get 10 or 12 bags of ice. And I'd go up to the register and, and say, I have doce bolsas de hielo. Uh, and uh, the lady would, would type it in and then she would, and I can understand a little Spanish, but numbers, I am terrible at numbers. When they give a number, they could, unless it's uno or dos, and I'm, I'm, so they spit it out, uh, and I have no idea. So usually what I would do would just hand them a 20, because a 20 always covered it, and then they'd give me pesos and change. But I had accumulated quite a number of peso bills. So, so one of the days I went and she spit out the number, and I, I, I grabbed a wad of, I, I grabbed a, a wad of pesos bills, and I did this. I just held them out to her. Does this cover it? And she looked at it, and she pointed and pulled a $200 peso bill, which is worth about uh, $10, a little over $10 maybe. Uh, and she pulled out a $50 peso bill, and then she smiled at me and nodded, stuffed the rest back in my pocket. What she was saying, what I was saying is, does this match? Is this the same? So when we're called to live, we're called to live worthy we're called to look like. We're called to, to be the same. We're called to be like. Which we're called to do that in Scripture so many other places. Can we live worthy? Paul thought so. That's why he said it. He wouldn't have encouraged it if he didn't think so. Can we live worthy? You know what? I really believe that Jesus thought so as well. Over in John chapter 1, we're look a couple verses there. John chapter 1, now this is John talking, this is not Jesus' words, but in John chapter 1, this is uh, uh, what he says. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. John 1 verse 10. He came so that to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision, or of husband's will, but born of God. So we know from, from John chapter 1 that we were, called, we were called to live, or called to be children. Paul's actually talked about that in Ephesians, that we were, were adopted in the family, that we were heirs uh, with, a, with a promise. But notice what Jesus says over in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, verses that you're going to be familiar with. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And notice what he says in verse 35. By this all men will know you're my disciples, if you love one another. Now, 
Now, if Jesus was saying that the way the world's going to recognize me is through you, the way the world's going to know my love is by your love, isn't he really saying you can live up to the calling that you have? Like I said, we'll talk more about that next week. But if Jesus said, Paul said it, and let's go with that, but let's go right to Jesus. If Jesus said it, man, i got to believe it. That we can be the instruments of His, we can show Him by living worthy of the calling that we have. Uh, it's been several years ago, we were out in California visiting Rita's uh, mom and stepdad, and just so happened, we found out that we got out that we found out that the Royals were coming to town. They were going to play the Anaheim Angels, so we got tickets and we went to the game. and And, and we went to the game. I didn't have any Royal shirt with me. That was back when the Royals were terrible, and I don't think I owned a Royal shirt at the time. Um, and so I did the next best thing. I, 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 and I'm going to offend some of you, and I apologize. I put on a KU blue T-shirt. I thought uh, if someone sees me on TV, they'll see the bright blue then they'll think it's Royals, even though it's KU. So I had a KU uh, 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 blue T-shirt on. We got our tickets, and as I'm walking in, I hand my ticket. There's a young college-age girl, or, or surely maybe a little bit older than that, taking the tickets. And when I handed her my ticket, she said this to me, Rock Chalk. Now, it took me a, spot, a little while to respond. I wasn't expecting Rock Chalk in Southern California. I kind of hesitated before I said, go KU or something like that. Um, now, how did she know? How did she know I was a KU fan? Was it because I was good looking and looked smart? <laughs> K-State fans, go ahead and interject something in here if you like. <laughs> no, there's only one reason, there's only one reason she knew that I was a KU fan, because I had on a KU shirt. My shirt said what, what I was clothed with, what I'd put on said that I was a KU fan. Turns out she was a KU grad living in Southern California. That was the story behind it. Uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus himself said, people are going to know me through you. You can live worthy. You can live in such a way that you're living up to, that you're, you're the same as the call that I've given to you. But, but, we have to put our eyes on Him. How, how do we get there? How do we walk that way? Paul's urged us, he's asked us, he's pounded on us to, to come into relationship. How do we do that? We, we do it by keeping our eyes on Christ, by watching Him and living like Him. It was July 4th, 1952, I'll close with this. July 4th, 1952, when Florence Chadwick uh, stepped into the, the cool waters of the Pacific off Catalina Island uh, in Southern California. Her goal was to swim the 21 miles between Catalina Island and the California coastline. And her goal was to be the first woman to ever do that in one swim. 15 hours and 55 minutes later, she pulled herself out of the waters. Her, her mom and her trainer were in one boat encouraging her, you can make it, you, Florence, you can do it, you're almost there. There was another boat that, that had guys with rifles in it to, to, to shoot any sharks that might, might come near her. They were all encouraged, Florence, you can do it. 
the reality was she was only a half a mile from the California coast. But when she walked in the waters that morning and, and had stayed there the whole day, there was a, a marine layer and a fog, and she couldn't see the coastline. So when she drug herself out of the water, she said it wasn't, it wasn't because she was cold, but she was. The water was, if you've been in the, the Pacific, it's chilly. It wasn't because she was tired. Well, she was wore out. She had swam almost 21 miles. She said, I quit because I couldn't see the shore. Three weeks later, she climbed into those same waters on a bright, sunny, clear day and swam the 21 miles in two hours less time than any man had done it to that, uh, to that point. We're, we're called to keep our eyes on the Lord, to, to focus on Him. Can we live worthy? Can, can I live up to the calling that God has called me to? I don't know, I really can't do it myself, but when I put my eyes on Jesus, Paul encouraged us and thought we could. Jesus said, you're going to be my witnesses, and said we could, so we can. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we are we're called to a task that seems almost overwhelming at times and certainly intimidates us, but you've called us to live in such a way that people see us, and when they see us, they see you. Uh, Father, uh, my encouragement today, my prayer today, is that we can live up to that, that calling, that we can come alongside Paul, that we can come alongside other believers and live the way you've called us to live. Father, it's through your grace, and it's through your mercy, and it's through your sacrifice, and through the power of your Holy Spirit that seals all that, that we can do it. Father, give us that power to live for you today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here this morning and you have a decision you need to share, uh, maybe it's a decision that is simply one of I need to refocus, uh, I, I need to be encouraged by my brothers and sisters in Christ to, uh, to live worthy. Maybe you need to recommit yourself to that. Maybe you're here and you don't know the Lord. If that's the case, we'd invite you to come as we stand and sing this decision hymn.